Hang oh my in. god, what is this? What the hell is that? That is a foam roller. Um, since I just got back into working out a little bit. Oh. I should let you use it. And then whenever you find a knot, you like lay on it for a few seconds. Oh, that sounds awesome. It feels really, really good in the worst way. Kind of, oh, kind of like when you get an ulcer in your mouth and you lick it, you're like, oh, it hurts. I'm going to do it again. I don't think I've ever had an ulcer in my mouth. Really? Yeah. Oh, do you mean those little like canker sores? The little white ones? Yeah. Yeah, I've never had one. Weird. Riveting discussions here at Southern Hills. <laughs> yes, we are very big on captivating our audience. This week we're talking about mouth sores. <laughs> Have you had one? Have you not had one? <laughs> are you a lick it because it feels bad? Where do you get sores? Let us know. SouthernHells at gmail.com. <laughs> if you want to talk about genital sores, Kelly at SouthernHells.com. <laughs> Don't put that curse on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you're getting all of the STDs straight in your inbox. Aww. It's just going to be me. I'm just going to be spamming your <laughs> inbox. So what Kelly's saying is sling it to her inbox. Speaking of inbox activity, I've been writing a lot of porn this week. Nice. What kind of porn? Uh, really gross shit, Rachel. Kelly has some really good stories to tell, and I look forward to reading them and masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Got your back, B. So what's new with you? Uh, super expensive and super boring, but also super exciting. We wanted hardwood floors whenever we were house shopping, but we found this house and we really, really, really liked it. And it has carpet. And this carpet is old as balls. Like, so old. I pulled up the carpet in one of the bedrooms and the actual mat beneath it is, like, legit rubber and smells like a thousand ball sacks. Oh, God. It is gnarly. Like, a thousand ball sacks wrapped in latex. Ooh. It's just not a good smell. And since I have asthma, carpet's not ideal for me anyway. So Colin and I both just had this understanding, okay, we'll put in hardwood floors, we can afford it. And we just sold our old house, which is awesome. Hey, congratulations. <sighs> Thanks so much. Having two mortgages was absolute bullshit. Um, so anyway, we're getting hardwood floors. Yay. That is exciting. I know. I did have a hippie crisis in the process. I was Googling uh, the sustainability of the different wood choices that we were going through. And uh, ultimately, I decided that I couldn't decide and stopped reading. So oh. I think the wood that we picked is somewhere between should be okay and maybe the death of a thousand species. <laughs> Rolling those dice. So welcome back to Southern Hills. I'm Kelly. And I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about toxic masculinity. Ooh, baby. And if you're like me, yes, when I first heard this phrase getting thrown around, I used to think, shut up. It just sounds so... It reminds me of, okay, Kelly and I both wear these glasses, so we can say this and joke about it, but it sounds very problem glasses. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. But... I feel like it's an undeniable phenomenon that's happening that's impacting a lot of Americans' lives in very negative ways. So I do think it's beneficial for all of us to accept that it's real and talk about it and try to learn how we can stop it. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least reduce it. Yeah. And we we spent a good bit of time reading about it and it was kind of cool. Some of, I mean, we'll get more into it, but a lot of what we read seemed to tie it into, it's not just women saying we're tired of carrying all of the emotional labor. We're tired of dealing with men who don't know how to deal with their emotions. It actually hurts men and women. Yeah, and that is true. That's a side effect that I 
I didn't really think about until today. We have mentioned on this podcast before, women tend to bear the emotional labor in relationships. That is a side effect of toxic masculinity. And it's really fucking annoying for us. Yeah, we're not fans of it. (laughs) We're not fans of emotional labor. Exactly. So when we say toxic masculinity, we're referring to male social norms that are associated with a harm to society and a harm to the man himself. So basically, social norms that men engage in that are destructive right that are destructive and uniquely masculine i guess and we don't like them no it's fucking bullshit in fact and we hate it here at southern hills (laughs) so for the uninitiated kelly and i record weekly we are a podcast (laughs) (laughs) well said my friend kind of funny originally what we wanted to be was we research a topic we come together but we've kind of we still do that but we just talk about whatever is on our mind and we just research it so that we can know more about what's important to us someone that we know has described us as a learning together podcast but really we just hang out so kelly dubbed us the hangout podcast i'm okay with that yeah so thanks for hanging out yeah and like us on facebook yes As I will continue to say every week, our Facebook's a fucking ghost town. (laughs) Like us on Facebook. You can also listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy us, leave us a review. Occasionally, I post on our Twitter, and I mostly just say things like, you should listen to Queer Eye. But eventually, I'm going to be wittier. Oh yeah, Rachel Mann's the Twitter, so follow us on Twitter if you have one. I, I don't do Twitter, but I do do Instagram. I should man our Instagram. Two fronts, K-Ray on the virtual hi-fi, but we're too far apart to touch, so. I'm all out of love. <laughs> I'm so lost without you. So I'm actually really excited. We, since we do our research independently, I don't know what Kelly's going to talk about. We work together to determine the best flow for our points. Like we take the take some time and say, okay, well, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to talk about this, but I'm actually really excited for Kelly's first point. Okay, um, so let's just jump in. So we've already told you briefly what toxic masculinity is. And I think a good introductory study is one that I read from the Wright Institute by Terry Coopers. It's called Toxic Masculinity as a Barrier to Mental Health Treatment in Prison. This in itself isn't really a surprise. Research has shown that toxic masculinity is exaggerated in prison. There's prison fights, there's attacks on officers, uh, prison rape, and hyper-competitiveness between men. And also the stereotype is that prisoners, you know, you keep your head down, you don't trust anyone, you keep your feelings to yourself, you do your time, you don't express any emotions other than anger. These are all traits that are reflective of toxic masculinity. Yeah, and our prison system is the largest mental health care provider in the country. I did not know that. Yeah, like, you have to think a lot of the reason people wind up in jail ties back to mental health, so... Wow. So yeah, prison is kind of a breeding pod of toxic masculinity, and it's easy to just blame the prisoners for this, but actually, institutional dynamics play a huge role in propagating this culture... Apparently, staff are as likely to express toxic masculinity as their prisoners. And also, prison overcrowding, reduced rehabilitation. You know, we like to refer to rehabilitation as coddling prisoners. And in some cases, these guys are isolated for 23 hours of the day. They're overcrowded. They have minimal rehabilitation. This causes 
an increase in prison violence and psychiatric breakdowns. This is statistically demonstrated. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's an institutionalized problem that's being manifested in prisoner behavior. You don't show weakness. You don't show vulnerabilities. You don't cooperate with authorities. You don't snitch. You don't depend on anyone. You suffer in silence. And there are reasons for doing that. I mean, there's some horrible shit that goes on in prison. So yeah, they want to keep their head down and keep their feelings to themselves. But it also means that when they actually sit in front of a therapist, they don't want to talk to them. They don't want to talk about their weaknesses or their pains or their mental needs. You know, they have to keep this tough guy persona on all the time. So as a result, they're not getting mental health care that they need or medications or anger management courses. If a therapist can't figure out what's going on with them, then they're not getting treatment that they need. And that's a direct result of toxic masculinity being fostered in our prison system. Wow. And yeah. going back to what you said a second ago about them not being as rehabilitated, I heard this was talking about private prisons mostly, but our justice system has more to do with retaliation than it does rehabilitation. And that's a huge problem because you serve a sentence. You are there for a time and then you're just turned back out into society. Right. And I, okay, this is a counterpoint to that. Well, a typical counterpoint. People say, well, rapists and murderers and pedophiles, I don't want to fucking rehabilitate them. I want them to rot in jail forever. I kind of get that. But from this study, 75% of prisoners are not violent offenders. That means they're in there for theft or petty crime or drug charges. Those are guys that could be rehabilitated. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there, there could be a set of horrible circumstances in your life that leads you to become a burglar. Yeah. If you are a violent criminal or a rapist, yeah, fuck you. Go away. Yeah. I suppose even for those guys who are never getting out of prison, who are, you know, the scourge of society, we should still make it so that we're not fostering these. Um, the quote from this, like, it's almost universally agreed upon from men in isolation that they have uncontrollable feelings of rage. That happens as a result of prolonged isolation. Uh, That's probably not good for the general prison populace either. That's true. And that would be bad for the guards and everything else. Right, exactly. It's bad for everyone. Yeah, and at the end of the day, a lot of what we do to the people we hate has more to do with who we are. Like, who are the people that we want to be? Right. Do we want to be, you know, considered horrible, violent people? And if we're just casting these people aside and letting that happen to them, then passively we kind of are. The researchers in this article close by saying, you know, there's nothing that we can do to help prison overcrowding or greater efforts of rehabilitation. Those are decisions made at a government level. But what we can do is try to foster this idea that you can be a man and talk about your feelings. And something that they mentioned is that therapists need to make a really concerted effort to emphasize this is completely confidential. I'm not going to tell anyone that, you know, you cried in front of me or you told me about your childhood traumas, which I guess is the fear. That's really sad. Like, maybe because I'm not a violent criminal, I don't want for people to suffer unnecessarily. So the idea that culturally we have set people up for that to be the case. And it's ridiculous if someone's arrested for marijuana and sentenced to 10 years in prison, which is already disgusting. But we're sending them into this toxic environment for years and years of their life. And then when they come out, they're changed forever. Yeah. In many, in many cases. Yeah, for sure. And you have so many prisoners that um, 
wind up in gangs and everything else. So they're, they're seeking a social structure. I mean, yeah. part of it boils down to protection, but it doesn't all boil down to protection. We are evolutionarily set up to be a social species. Right. So that is bullshit. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting because... As I said before, this is an environment where toxic masculinity specifically is really heralded and propagated, and that's the result. Hor- shit sucks. Horrible things. Yes, horrible shit for everyone. <laughs> You're all welcome. <laughs> Let's just keep this train rolling. <laughs> it was kind of cool um, whenever we were, again, organizing our points. Kelly was talking about prisoners not being good at therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, you know? <laughs> I'm sure there's a, a better way to, like, hey, uh, you suck at therapy. <laughs> You're not good at feelings. <laughs> I, that's pretty apt, though. Yeah. It, it, I mean, maybe if we just make fun of them. Like, that's how they're socially conditioned to just, we'll just mock them into feeling feelings. <laughs> so I'm sure most people know what a meta-study is, but I really like them, so I'm just going to take a second and explain. Meta-studies combine the results of multiple studies on the same type of subject to find a common truth between similar subjects. So in this case, this study combined 70 other studies on conforming to masculine norms and found that they were, quote-unquote, universally, robustly, and consistently reduce men seeking mental health. So the things that we are heralding as universal male truths are preventing men from seeking mental health. Mm -hmm. A lot of the studies are done in colleges. They're saying men who are in college embody these traits. And there's not as much work being done on elementary school boys or middle school boys. And a lot of the socialization that happens for boys happens as early as that, as infancy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you'll see peewee league kids being told, you know, suck it up, don't cry. Yeah. And if we are reinforcing at that early an age... You know, don't express your emotions. You're supposed to be in control of your emotions at all times. Like, that is how they learn to live their lives. Yeah, that's true. So boys tend to bully each other for stepping out of rigidly defined norms, and bullying is closely tied to anxiety. Boys' education is mostly limited to walk it off, man up, or suck it up. Yeah. They often lack the tools to cope with anxiety. Right, because they're not taught how to cope with it. They're just taught, if you feel that, you're gay. Yeah, basically. So we're raising them to feel emotions by constantly bullying them and belittling their feelings. And then once they have those feelings, they don't have words for them and they don't know how to deal with them. That's actually really interesting because this is something we were talking about just a few minutes before recording. Um, A lot of men are actually unable to articulate their feelings. When you ask them to articulate their feelings or, you know, tell me what you are feeling, they want to, but they are literally unable They just, they don't know. They've never been taught how to talk about their feelings. So they cannot put the words together. I'm not saying that's true for all men because obviously it's not. But I've been on the receiving end of these conversations. It's a real thing. Me too. And the most common thing that men tend to feel is frustration. And I think that a lot of that frustration comes from if you've ever been in a situation where you understood something, like you knew something, but you couldn't piece it together in a way to communicate it like that is awful it is it's frustrating yeah so your your emote like your more nuanced emotions coming across as anger and frustration all the time would probably propagate more anger and frustration like Mm -hmm. like if you ask your boyfriend are you mad i'm not mad it's like well you look mad 
I'm not mad. Well, what yeah. were you two seconds ago before? So anyway, the, the point I was trying to make there is that we are making little boys anxious by making them constantly fear being bullied because what we have decided as masculine is so specific. And stepping out of that line, I mean, people tend to just naturally recognize social norms. Like, you may not know that you know, but you conform. So if we're teaching little boys, they're supposed to be a certain way, and if they're not that way, then they're wrong and bad. Or they're effeminate. Yeah. Which, it's ridiculous that that's a fear, but that is a real fear of men. Yeah, I mean, I watched Black Panther, and those chicks were amazing. (laughs) So basically, boys need to learn healthy ways to express their sexuality through mutual respect. Because one of the toxic masculine traits is dominance, Mm -hmm. and that the female interest and consent to sex is completely malleable. It's just something that they have control over, or it's something that they... We've talked about this a bunch. It's something that they have to talk a girl into. Yeah. So it doesn't treat her as an equal. Yeah, I've actually... um, On a lot of these websites, one of the traits of toxic masculinity is the devaluation of women. Yeah. Since we have these huge shifts in cultural norms, it's going to make transitions more difficult for boys if we're still enforcing, this is the way it is, but we're now in, you know, the post-Me Too, Harvey Weinstein is out, you know? Yeah. Like, they're going to have a way harder time growing up. Yeah, that's true. We're in the midst of a really big cultural shift, which I am grateful for, but yeah, these ideals are going to hold a lot of men back. So... It's kind of interesting that you talked about that because that ties in perfectly to my next article. Uh, This one was published in the Journal of Mental Health. It's called Men, Depression, and Masculinities, A Review and Recommendations. It was written by John Olive and Melanie Phillips. Even though women are twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression than men, men are four times as likely as women to commit suicide. And having depression significantly increases your risk for committing suicide. I mean, that really comes as no surprise to me. So why is it that men are so much less likely to be diagnosed and yet so much more likely to kill themselves? Well, the answer to that is probably that men are not seeking mental health care. The researchers cited a lot of studies that have determined that men are more likely to self-treat their symptoms and self-diagnose, deny having an illness in the first place, and avoid healthcare services. So those behaviors have all been linked to these dominant ideals of masculinity. And they're basically making the point that like all of these other behaviors, men are way less likely to seek the help of a professional if they feel depressed. And that is killing men. Man, that's depressing. (laughs) Yeah, it's really sad. It is really sad. It's sad that we live in an era where we have the tools to fix a lot of problems. Like we are... So blessed technologically and so many men for literally just in their brain reasons aren't seeking out these, these aids. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. It it is really sad because I know that if I'm in a really bad place or if I just need to talk to someone, I can talk to Rachel. I can talk to my mom. If it gets really bad, I can talk to a therapist and I, I feel no stigma from doing any of those things. You know, I'm taking care of myself, but for a man in the same position, He's afraid to have those conversations or to reach out to those people because he fears ridicule. And that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that that's ending lives. Yeah. I I don't remember. I didn't read about this today, but a while ago I read about early 20s men and binge drinking. 
has a lot to do with vulnerability. Like their ability to bond with their friends and say things like, oh, I love you, man, and things like that when they're drunk. There's a phrase in Vino Veritas, like in wine is truth. Mm -hmm. So they probably love their friends all the time, but they only feel comfortable if they have an excuse. That's true, yeah. Like they they need a crutch. And um, that's actually something that really attracted me to Colin early on. He has this this group of friends and they're totally cool to talk about their feelings and everything else and also make fun of each other to no end about everything. <laughs> so it's just, I thought it was really cute that he had this well-adjusted male friend group because I, that's so novel and it, it's really sad that that's novel. Well, I, I see it too in our generation, you know, men who are the same age as us. I do see more camaraderie. They're way more likely to be in chat groups, like you said, or to have circles of friends that they see regularly. And yeah, I think it is it is a little less stigmatized in our generation. So maybe we're moving up. I think we are, yeah. And I I never heard the phrase toxic masculinity until recent years. So I don't even think this was something we were having a conversation about until recently, as a country anyway. Yeah. That might tie into your next point though. Oh God. <laughs> That's I fucking grim. I shouldn't laugh. But I did. Okay, let's get real. This is America. And something that happens that is uniquely American is mass shootings, particularly school shootings. This is a plague on our country that we could do a whole episode on, but we're trying not to. But anyway, um, it is my belief and the belief of many researchers that this is a symptom of a toxic masculinity-driven culture. Yep. And I found an article called Suicide by Mass Murder. Masculinity, Aggrieved Entitlement, and Rampage School Shootings. It was published in Health Sociology Review, written by Rachel Kalish and Michael Kimmel. So their general point is kind of what I just said. The culture of American toxic masculinity creates a sense of aggrieved entitlement in men that is conducive to violence. And they exclusively studied school shootings in which a male shooter committed suicide after a mass killing. Which is generally what happens in these school shootings and mass shootings. I feel like most of the time, the shooter commits suicide immediately after the rampage. I was really surprised that the Florida guy got caught. Yeah, I know. But in every single case they studied, um, the shooter felt victimized by others while simultaneously feeling superior to them. So being victimized by their presumed inferiors made them feel humiliated. And these feelings of humiliation called what they referred to as aggrieved entitlement. And they define that as a gendered sense that they were entitled to exact revenge on all those who had hurt them. So That is brutal. Yes. Um, you were inferior to me and you have humiliated me. So it is my right to exact revenge on all the people who've hurt me. Wow. Which is kind of nonsense since these guys tend to shoot randomly. Yeah, that... Whatever. But um, also in all cases, the shooters expressed an inability to live up to their peers' expectations of quote-unquote cool. Least cool thing Kelly's ever said, quote-unquote cool. <laughs> what but is? This, but this is where it gets really weird. So this concept of toxic masculinity not only does it lead in these boys um, killing their classmates and themselves... But I feel like it also leads to them being bullied in the first place or feeling these feelings of humiliation in the first place because, okay, whatever, I'm just going to read it. 
These researchers describe high school as a quote-unquote constant homophobic gauntlet for a lot of boys. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. That so, does not mince words. Yeah, exactly. So you're under constant threat of being called gay or, you know, being bullied because you're considered a fag. Yeah, and that, that ties back to the, the meta study. They were literally saying that same thing, that men are socialized from elementary school on to, to conform to these very, very rigid roles. Exactly. So if you veer from those, which, you know, these guys in a lot of cases are withdrawn or quote-unquote weird. I liked a girl once. Get him! <laughs> but this bullying it can lead to depression, suicide, substance abuse, or in extreme cases, overcompensating in a blaze of violent glory. Jesus. Yeah, the language is really powerful here. But I like I, it. I'm just going to present without commentary an actual quote from a Columbine football player. This was after the shooting. And this is about Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris specifically. Sure, we tease them. But what do you expect with kids who come to school with weird hairdos and horns on their hats? It's not just jocks. The whole school's disgusted with them. They're a bunch of homos. If you want to get rid of someone, usually you tease them. So the whole school would call them homos. Another athlete said... Nobody liked them. The majority of them were gay, so everyone would make fun of them. Oh my god. Yeah. I did not, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That was after the shooting? These quotes were after the shooting, but here's <sighs> the thing. When the shooting happened, the school newspaper had recently published a rumor that Dylan and Eric were lovers. <gasps> oh my, they let them publish that? Right? How fucking irresponsible. Yeah. I mean... So, look, did any of those kids deserve to die? No. But when you have this, like, this melting pot of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Horrible shit happens. Yeah. Because these same men who were being bullied for veering from what a real man should be are also afraid to seek treatment or talk about their feelings. Yeah. And... Kelly and I actually got in this conversation recently because there were a lot of memes going around about um, they don't need to take the guns because the reason people are shooting up schools is because of the bullies. And that's not the whole truth. The whole truth is there's an entire societal problem that yes. we're covering right now. Yes, this is a cultural problem. And yeah, bullying plays a part in these shootings. But, you know, it's it's not... There is no one reason. This is a perfect storm of bullshit that is killing kids. Yeah. And men. And and it's what blew my mind. Like, whenever you say toxic masculinity, a lot of men give you this look like you're just trying to vilify them. Yes, that's true. But it's not. It's toxic masculinity is not the opposite of toxic femininity. It's not everything that is good is bad to be a man. It's Right. Toxic masculinity does not equal masculinity. No, it doesn't. It's literally this problematic thing that hurts everyone. Right. It is specifically toxic behaviors that we as a society encourage men to... What's the word? Embody? But yeah. So we encourage men to act in these toxic ways that are detrimental to all of us as a society. But it's so heavily instilled in us from childhood that mm. <laughs> I'm really bad at ending sentences. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because like you, it's it's really easy to spend a whole lot of energy. You're like, I th this is my whole thing, and then you're like, that was the whole point. I don't I don't know where to make it go. And I'm spent. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I'm like, here's a thought. I told you the thought, and 
I shouldn't have said and. I should have just (laughs) stopped talking. (laughs) What is it that that you would say? Stop. In in, uh, telegrams. (laughs) We're just going to start saying stop. (laughs) Boys need to have more healthy ways to express their sexuality. Stop. (laughs) Also, we've mentioned in previous episodes that this extreme teenage homophobia seems to be on the decline. So I really fucking hope as a society we are moving away from this. Yeah, one article that I read talked about, I I wound up actually not liking the whole article, but it had some really good points. It's important to read things that you're not necessarily going to agree with, so you really hone your stance on things. Yeah. So we are talking about the cultural problem of toxic masculinity, which is still pervasive and a huge problem. But another side effect of this conversation and it being so prevalent is that like Kelly just said, toxic masculinity is not masculinity. But the way a lot of teenagers are talking about masculinity mostly focuses on the risk, violence, and sexual aggression Mm -hmm. of men. So that's its own problem because we're not reinforcing positive male traits. We're just saying it's like we're slapping wrists and we're not giving anybody gold stickers. That's true. So what are some positive masculine traits that we should encourage in men? Colin is completely honest about his feelings. And he was always a really big reader. So I think that that ties back to that. Um, But I never have a problem if I ask him how he feels about something he knows. So I, I tie that back to honesty and integrity. Like if we raise men to not hide their feelings and not conceal like, that is dishonest. That is the opposite of positive masculinity. Right. It's a, it's at the very least a start. Educate them emotionally and then tell them honesty is best. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I guess I have seen this, too, in little boys when they're crying or when they're upset. They get told, walk it off, suck it up. You're okay. Maybe that would be a good time to have a conversation about how they're feeling and make them talk about why they're upset. Yeah. And... A lot of their fear does tie into their fear of their peers. Like yeah. they, they don't want to cry in front of their team or they don't want to cry at school. So teaching them that your your emotions are reactionary. You really don't get to pick how you feel about something. You only get to pick how you deal with it. And maybe if at this point, since we're trying to literally restructure a culture, if we take the time to explain to little boys like, look, This is your opportunity to make your friends feel better about something that they could experience similarly. So it's okay to cry and just deal with your emotions. And honestly, that's being the bigger man to set the example. I don't know what the answer to this is, but I really fucking hate it that um, a lot of men seem to think, well, as they have been groomed to do by our society, that the only emotion it's like safe to express is anger. Like, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to punch a wall. I'm going to cause a scene over some stupid shit instead of having a rational discussion. I mean, which one is really more embarrassing than the other? <laughs> True. And it's always a huge turnoff for, for... Yeah. Like, I don't know any woman that looks at that and is like, wow, I'm so happy that you are... You have the emotional wherewithal of a three-year-old. Exactly. No, every time I've ever heard a man say, you want to take this outside or punch a hole in the wall or kick a piece of furniture over some stupid shit, I'm bone dry. Yeah, just no interest <laughs> whatsoever. So eventually, well, there you go, Kelly. We'll, we'll just take on this problem by eugenics. Those dudes aren't going to get boned anymore. You would think, you would think, but someone is boning those guys. <sighs> Ladies. Stop it. And gentlemen. Stop it. Yeah. 
just stop it. Stop it. So so anyway, it's it's a big problem that we're telling little boys that they have to feel bad. I mean, we're not we're not directly telling them. We're indirectly telling them that masculinity is these things and they are bad. And we're not framing it as these are problems that have solutions. And that also fosters a lot of sexism because we're essentially telling them, you know, a boy acts like that. This stuff is for girls. So they associate weakness with women. Yeah. We we talked about that. Um, it has become okay in our culture for women to be masculine, but the vice has not happened. Right. Which is absolutely unfair. Yeah. Dudes wear dresses. Your balls will be happy. <laughs> Just really learn to embrace them. It's air conditioning for your balls. You know, that is something that I think men should suffer. We suffer this and men don't even really know. But like this happened to me in Hawaii. I was walking down the street in a skater skirt, minding my own business, crossing the road, in fact, in front of two lanes of traffic when a gust of wind blew up my skirt. And I was like, there's my ass, everybody. You're welcome. Men should feel the same humiliation. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly said humiliation because that's the typical feeling. She does not feel shame. (laughs) For my birthday one year, we went and did this thing where we... (laughs) Oh, yes. I forgot about this. We went to a blacksmith shop and we got to make our own knives. So here's me and Kelly making knives. And she wore, again, a skater skirt. And she went to Ben to um, hammer her... Her knife, they, they had this billow that they would use to keep the forge going. So the billow happens and then there is a group of teenage boys behind Kelly and they get a show and they are cracking up and so excited. Yeah, and apparently it was a group of teenage boys and a mom and dad and all the men are just like <laughs> laughing their ass off and the mom's just looking like really sour. I was totally unaware. Colin told me after the fact, like, what the hell's so funny? Oh, it's Kelly's ass. <laughs> Kelly's ass is hanging out. It's cool. And after I was just like, yeah, instead of feeling embarrassed, I was like, you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we hope that you feel humiliation, but we have moved, we have evolved past it. Yeah, I say the word humiliation playfully. Oh, I went to work the other day and I was wearing a button up shirt and one of my buttons had come undone. And one of my guy friends was like, he just, he just did this, this like, like snicker and point. And I was like, it's maroon today. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And there was that one time where I woke up and had like 75 Facebook notifications. And I thought I accidentally uploaded a nude. And for a second, I was like, shit. But then I was like, fuck it. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> and then it wasn't that at all. But yeah, I had already made peace with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool that you were able to just embrace and accept. <laughs> Yeah, I, Rachel's right. I have no shame. Why should you? That's, that is my real point. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else is wrong. Yeah, exactly. I own your body, man. Who cares? I would literally hang out nude if people wouldn't be weird about it, but they would be. And I would sit in gum and I don't want that. Ew, yeah. If I'm bottomless, it's got to be somewhere familiar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm imagining like the sweaty stain on things, and I was now just I'm like, say, you know, like, can you imagine pulling out a bar stool and there's just like a smear? Oh, yeah. Oh God, or worse, you see two people leave a bar and she leaves a smear, and you're like, I know what you guys are gonna do. <laughs> I know where this conversation went. Yeah, no secrets there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why nudists are nudists. They're like, I got to know what she's thinking. So, oh, (laughs) I forgot. In tying back to 
the whole we're telling we're telling boys that these things are very bad and we're not necessarily correcting and giving them positive examples. Um, the article that I was reading stated this, and it was Samuel Vessier. And that could be a horrible mispronunciation of that guy's name. It was in Psychology Today, um, and it was the real problem with toxic masculinity. I didn't totally agree with that article, but it's still worth reading if it interests you. But there's a competition for victim status found on both sides, and focusing on how we complement each other is a better way to move forward. So women have evolved to, whenever they're playing with kids, and this is like an instinctive thing, they tend to do more fine motor projects, and men tend to do rougher play like they oh yeah they horseplay yeah and the the thought process is it's kind of hard to argue that it doesn't boil down to conditioning because it changes in some cultures but overwhelmingly this is kind of the norm men play rougher women women play more close and women tend to be the one that you know bandage wounds and yes teach emotions and men tend to play the role of toughening kids up like okay you we're, we're playing really rough and it's okay so this guy's point was, if we focus more on that and less on how we're different, we're more likely to move forward in a positive way. But I, I don't know. I just find it kind of hard to argue that the best solution is just to embrace that men and women are different because a lot of the problems are that we're not that different. We're really, really similar. So it's not looking for how we complement and contrast each other. Do you, do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I don't I don't know what the answer to that is because I'm I was listening to you and thinking like, yeah, I know when I play with my niece and nephews, you know, I like doing crafts, we do tea parties or we play with action figures. Yeah, I like to keep it subdued. I don't like horseplay. And when the horseplay starts, I'm always really quick to be like, no, we are not doing that because I don't want them to get hurt. Yeah. Whereas, I don't know, maybe if I was a guy, I would, you know, yeah, let's horseplay when someone gets hurt. We'll deal with it. But that terrifies me. Yeah, I, I can relate. So it's, I don't know. I just, the, the way this guy was trying to frame it was we need to focus on that. How are we complimenting each other rather than how are we so extremely different? Because the other thing that he mentioned was toxic femininity. He was like, you never hear about toxic femininity as a concept, but I don't even know what that is. Exactly. It, 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 it doesn't exist. Oh, I was going to say, what are some toxic feminine traits? Maybe we should... Ooh. Other than obsessively cyber-stalking. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up your ex every eight months. <laughs> that would be fun. Maybe we should do, after this one, we'll do a toxic feminine yes. Ooh, episode. that's a great idea. Yeah, we'll keep it balanced. I like it. So, anyway, this guy said, if toxic masculinity is, like, the worst-case scenario for what it means to be a man, like, that's the archetype of bad dude. Yeah then what is the archetype of toxic femininity? And it was used to explain away all sorts of traits in children because ultimately when you think femininity, you think mothers. Yeah. So a lot of toxic feminine traits, they were like, oh, well, your kid is autistic because you were a bad mother. Your kid had extreme introversion because of your poor nurturing abilities. And it's like, if we are explaining away all of these things about men in a way that we used to explain about all of these things about femininity, we have to make sure that we're framing the conversation to be, this is an archetype. This is a worst case scenario. You don't have to be this and not every man is this. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be interesting for us to research maybe what it would mean to be a toxic. Yeah, my gears are already turning. Me too. 
So just to reiterate, we have no interest in vilifying men. It's not what we're about here. We're, I would you say we're pretty humanist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, we think that everyone should be trying to be their best person and their most happy and complete self. And this is holding human beings back. And we don't like that. Right. I mean, to, to embody toxic masculine traits is literally leading to suicide. So it's for the better health of yourself and everyone around you to recognize these behaviors and try to avoid them. Yeah. This is an interesting point. Um, I did not mention when we were talking about the school shooting study, but so in the 80s, and I guess before Columbine, really, um, school shootings, when they did happen, it was generally from a young black male, the average age was 15, in an inner city school, bringing a handgun to school and shooting a direct target. Hmm. So essentially, it was gang violence. But then that shifted in the 90s and beyond to where usually it is a suburban white male with a machine gun shooting random targets. Wow. Yeah. That's a... And I mean, yeah, it's it's so... The shift is so sudden and so obvious, I guess. Yeah. Something had to have happened. Yeah, and it's... I can just imagine that in the 80s, people just blamed it on, oh, well, he's a thug. Right, he's a gangster, he's a criminal. And yeah... They even make that point, you know, when it happens now, it's like, oh, mental health, he's mentally disturbed or he has psychological issues, which yes, he does. But yeah, those terms were not used to describe the 15 year old school shooters. Man, that's so terrible because I'm sure if we were to dig deep enough, we didn't, we just wanted to cover toxic masculinity. But if you were to look at gang violence, I'm sure that need to belong and that I mean, That's true. I mean, gang violence is probably... No. I'm g- yeah, gang violence is almost definitely a side effect of toxic masculinity. Yeah. So... I never thought about that before. I, I didn't either. And you could easily... In the 80s, we should have said the same thing. We should have said, this is a mental health care crisis. These kids are doing this... And it's not because they're bad people intrinsically, but that's kind of how we treated it. Yeah. That is so true. And it that really mirrors... Um, what we talked about with the opioid crisis, you know, when drug epidemics were affecting black communities, they were criminals. But when it became a full-blown crisis and started affecting white communities, suddenly it's symptomatic of something completely different. Yeah. The last point that I made in my notes, um, humans, like there's, there is this huge emphasis and I find it so absolutely annoying. No man is an island. There's this push to tell men that they have to be as self-reliant as possible. Bear grills, get out in the woods, be by yourself, and survive. Fuck that shit. Yeah, that's stupid. That's not how humans got anywhere. Hunter-gatherers were tribes. We have always mm-hmm. traveled in a pack. So we are built as a species to be social. And there's... If you look up the village that has the most um, people in excess of 100 years old, it's a this place in Italy... And I think I talked about this before, but it's this place in Italy and everybody lives really close together. They all talk really close to one another and they all take care of each other. And they're all really tight. Like they're all really close knit people. 
And whenever they were researching, well, why are so many people here living so much longer than other places? Their diet isn't any different. And they thought, well, maybe some of these people are happier than others. No, there were just as many like assholes. They like specifically show this in the study. <laughs> They're like, look, this guy is super crotchety, but he's 110 or whatever. And it, it literally just boiled down to they are interdependent. And that's a part of our evolution. So it's really stupid that we're telling men specifically. And it, so many, I remember reading this forever ago, but I don't remember where. There's a huge problem with middle-aged men right now where they don't have friends. They just yeah, don't have them. Yeah, true, yeah. So we're not built for that. No. And yeah, I mean, just to tie it into day-to-day -day relationships, you know, just as far as dating goes, the worst part of dating as an adult is trying to figure out what he's thinking. I'm sorry, <laughs> as an adult woman is trying to figure out what he's thinking because so many men are just not forthcoming with their feelings. You know, they'll, they'll leave breadcrumbs that might lead you to what they're feeling, but they can't just come out and say, I feel this, or I'm afraid of this, or this is what I want. Women kind of have to beat it out of them, which is really exhausting. It can be very confusing, and it leaves a lot of room for error. And I don't like that. I, I like to be completely transparent. It is really frustrating when you're having a conversation with someone about their feelings. And if you tell me these loosely related ideas, that leaves me so much room to fill in the gaps. Exactly. It leaves a lot of room for interpretation, which we have mentioned before. Is It leaves too much room for error, you know? I can, yeah. mis I can misinterpret what you are trying to tell me if you are not clear and to the point. But if you don't know how to articulate your feelings, then it's really hard for you to be clear and to the point. It is incredibly frustrating. And it's funny, I um, subscribe to the Relationships subreddit, and I see this all the time. There will be this chronic issue that one party will try to talk about. And they use the same terminology. When I try to talk about it, they shut down. They cannot have this conversation. They physically cannot talk about this problem. Man. So one person tries to carry the conversation and tries to come to a resolution. And it's just not possible. Man. Yeah. I've been there too. I have too. It's exhausting. Yes. It, ma it makes you want to bang your head into a fucking wall. And it's... It's really annoying because for the most part, no, not even for the most part, Colin is my equal. I know that if I come to him, he's going he's going to be my equal on whatever we talk about. I can remember not having that in so many of my past relationships where oh, yeah. I don't like, it doesn't make me feel sexy to have to feel maternal. If I am literally having to hold your hand through something, that's not a sexy feeling. Right. So, oy vey. <laughs> So if you're listening, quit your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know that that nagging problem that you've been having with that special someone? Just fucking talk to them about it and say, okay, look, this is how I feel. And you can use the most basic terminology that you're comfortable with, but communicate your fucking feelings. Maybe, maybe this is what we need to do, Kelly. We need to create a colorful guide a colorful dictionary if you will of feelings Ooh. and their nuances a southern hell's feelings dictionary i'm into <laughs> it we're like look read this i could provide a service you can email me kelly at southernhills.com and you can tell me what you think you're feeling and i will try to articulate it back to you and if i'm right you can be like thanks you just saved my marriage <laughs> <laughs> for example most of these feelings have a physical side effect my skin feels itchy and my tummy is tingly. That's anxiety. You're anxious. 
And another way to frame that is excited. If you tell yourself that you're not anxious, you're excited and something is important to you and that's why your body's freaking out, it helps you talk yourself off the anxiety ledge. Yes, I've been there. So I, I meant to mention this earlier. Colin was telling me that in the past with some of their like friend group's girlfriends, they would get added to the group chat and it just never worked out. So he was like, I hope you're not mad that I'm you know, not inviting you to the group chat. And I was like, I don't want to fucking know what you people talk about. Yeah. Boys need boy talk just like girls need girl talk. Exactly. Like, I literally, it is none of my business. Like, even if he's, what he chooses to share or not share with his friends is not my problem. Or, right. It's not like they're coming to me and, pe- <laughs> to me and being like, hey, why didn't you sling it to Colin the other night? <laughs> I don't think that's what they're talking about. Most of the time, if Colin tells me, he's like, they're talking about how Brandon won't blah, blah, blah. Or he won't he won't put those cabinets in. And he said he was going to last weekend. It's <laughs> funny. Nerds. <laughs> so, yeah. What are some examples of toxic masculinity that we might have missed? Let us know. SouthernHills at gmail.com. Or if you can think of a, some examples of toxic femininity that we could talk about next week. Let us know. Yeah, we'd really be into that. And we we know that a lot of our listeners are male. So how has it affected you? In what way, like, are you the type of guy who is comfortable talking about your feelings? How do you work that out with your male friends who are conditioned otherwise? Like, how how is that affecting your relationships? Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, based on most of the feedback I've gotten from men, Our audience does seem to be more comfortable with talking about things that are important to them, but that's based on a small number of people. So yeah, if you're out there and you're listening, um, what she said, (laughs) (laughs) holler at us. Um, you can send emails to southernhills at gmail and we'll both read them or Kelly at Southern Hills or Rachel at Southern Hills. Yeah. And I don't check it every day, but I will make an effort. I check mine obsessively, and as previously noted, I have no shame. I generally don't give a shit, and I don't really pass judgment. So you can email me whatever the fuck, kelly at southernhills.com. Keep it legal, though. Did you get the dick pics? No. No dicks in Kelly's See, inbox. I asked, I asked for dick pics in episode one or two, and we did not realize for some time that that email address was not working yet. So I feel like the dick pic train came and went. In the darkness. Ew. Aww. That sounds sticky. I sometimes I wonder, like, what did I miss in those few weeks? A lot of wieners. <laughs> but seriously, email me whatever the fuck. I'm not gonna dox you unless it's some really nasty shit. I mean, I still won't dox you, but I will judge you harshly. Yeah, fair. But uh, yeah, if you send me something illegal, I will probably turn it in. <laughs> so let's keep it legal. Yeah. So unless you were over the age of 18, do not send Kelly at Southern Hills any dick pics. Oh, God, don't send me your teenage penis. Legal. Emphasis on legal. I'm not trying to go to prison. Over a ding dong. Yeah. Yeah, she's not trying to go to prison with all the toxic masculine. How? Maybe that's what we should look for in toxic femininity. Ooh, prisoners. Yeah. Maybe it's also exaggerated in prison. Ooh. Everything's harder in prison. Yeah. One of my favorite phrases, um... Ooh, I guess this actually does tie back to toxic masculinity now that I think about it. Um, I know someone who spent some time in prison and who came out legitimately rehabilitated. But he said, there's this phrase, um, do your own time. And it's basically like, 
Don't make other people's problems your problems. Don't internalize other people's problems. And I guess, like, a lot of the time when Kelly and I have a conversation about whatever is going on in her life, I internalize it and I empathize with her. So by saying, I mean, I know it has more to do with the fact that, that they're saying, I have my own set of problems that I have to deal with and they're huge. I can't yeah. deal with your problems too. But I don't know, that lack of... Well, that's something that I have always heard as, you know, this is how you get through prison. This is how you come out a sane person. Keep your head down. Trust no one. Keep everything to yourself. That is the mantra. That's what you do to make it out alive, which is not psychologically healthy. But I guess it's better than getting fucking shanked. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on how you feel about shankings, Kelly. (laughs) I'm pretty anti-shanking. So are we going to establish that we are taking an anti-shanking stance here at Southern Hills? I think it's safe to say that, yeah. Okay, we are (laughs) anti-shanking. Don't shank. Well, I guess that about wraps it up for me. Yeah, uh, this was a really enlightening discussion. I actually learned a lot today. Yeah, it was really fun to read about. And I mean, we've said this a hundred times. I feel like I'm beating a dead bush, but this really makes me sad. I'm beating a dead bush. (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) Why am I an idiot all the time? I don't understand. Oh, I I combined beating a dead horse (laughs) and beating around the bush. Nice. Beating a dead bush. I feel like I'm beating a dead bush here, guys. That's when you've been banging for like four hours and you're like oh my god just get it over with the chafing (laughs) so beating my dead bush (laughs) um we love men and we love people so we're not coming from a man-hating place we genuinely are saddened by the fact that men are not having the full human experience because we have all the same emotional receptors in our brain yeah so i feel like we all feel the same or at least very similar feelings. Yeah. And I I do. I think it's a terrible thing that men who are feeling the same bad feelings that I feel are not getting the support that they need because they're too scared. Yeah. Like that that genuinely bums us out. Yeah. So uh, stop being dicks to each other first and foremost. <laughs> and then we'll fix all the problems. We're ready. <laughs> I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of the solution to all the problems of the world. You know, I just solved peace on earth. You're all welcome. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. Got your back, man. But no, I'm not being an asshole. It is that simple. Be excellent to each other. Bill and Ted, they told you. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, I'll see y'all next Thursday. Bye.